Mixing with women and talking with them as equals actually constitutes an uncivilized way of life. That's one hell of a purport when you think about it, really. Omagyana timiranda syagananjana salakaya chakshura militam mena tasmai shri guruve namaha Sri Krishna Jaitanya Prabhunichananda Sri Advaita Galadhar Sri Gora Bhaktavinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So I'll just read this Sanskrit again, the um, translation again. The wife of the spiritual master, if the wife of the spiritual master is young, a young brahmachari should not allow her to care for his hair, massage his body with oil, or bathe him with affection like a mother. So, human civilization, as most of us know, is nothing more than an animal civilization. And yet it's getting worse and worse every single day. Um, in some respects. And yet, in other respects, it's becoming more and more spiritual. So there's like a balance. And at the moment, even though we see such a decline in spirituality and becoming more and more an animalistic sort of society that we're living in, there is a rise also of spirituality, which is evident. And I talk about this quite a lot because I see it working with other faith traditions. The mercy of the devotees of the Lord that are preaching all over the world are, are amazing. You know, uh, I just had a meeting last night again of the international communications team. And the preaching that's going on is just absolutely fantastic. Some of you may know that there is a, uh, in India, ISKCON is very prominent. Sorry, this is just getting a little bit too hot. <laughs> ISKCON is very, very prominent. And we've been asked, everybody knows that in Ioja, the temple of Lord Ram is again coming into uh, the hands of the Vaishnavas. And so the temple is, is opening up on the 22nd of January. We're going to be doing a small service. I asked with, talked with Ani Rudi yesterday. And we're going to be doing a small service on the 22nd for Gora Arti. And hopefully we can have a picture of Ram, Sita Ram. And we just have an RT, and then apparently they're doing a, um, a live streamcast of the installation of the deity. Now it's a deity of uh, Ram Lalla. Ram Lalla is Krishna as a baby, uh, Lord Ram as a baby, an eight-year-old baby, because this is the birthplace of Lord Ram. So, so anyway, Iskon is so popular, some of the main acharyas, our spiritual masters are going there. Gop, uh, uh, Gopal Krishna Maharaj, I think, is going. I think, I'm not sure if Radhana Swami is going. I don't know if Jayapataka Maharaj is going, but I know that uh, Gopal Krishna Maharaj is going. They have allotted a huge space around the temple for Iskon to distribute prasadam and another huge space for ISKCON to distribute books. So this is the potency of Krishna consciousness that we're spreading all over the world, and especially at this particular time. So, yeah, material world is slipping into a more and more animalistic society, but in the same token, there is a rise of spirituality. 
And each devotee who is sincerely and strictly following the instructions of Shastra, Guru and the Vaishnavas is helping to transform this animalistic world into something quite wonderful. And this is what you do every single day by chanting your rounds, following the regulative principles, attending the programs here at the temple, associating with devotees, reading the scriptures. This is what you're doing to eradicate this animalistic civilization. It is not all gloom and doom. As again, as communications officer, I have to watch the news to see what's happening, how it's pertinent to us and, and so on and so forth. So the news is full of gloom and doom. But we in Krishna consciousness understand that we have the good news, that Krishna consciousness and spirituality, love for God is on the rise. So we're, I spoke to Aniruddha and Aniruddha said, yeah, but you know, it's just the opening of another temple. And I said, yes, that's true Prabhu, it is the opening of another temple. But this is a special temple, but in the same token, and it means a lot, to the, uh, those people that are following Vedic culture. I don't like to call them Hindus, but just for the people that are following Vedic culture. And he said, there are temples opening up every day. If you go online and find out who's opening an ISKCON temple, it is just amazing. There are so many wonderful temples being constructed. So that's great. So as a prediction in the scriptures, Bhaktivinotakur clearly points out that within this Satya Yuga, there is uh, of this, uh, in this uh, uh, Kali Yuga, there is a bubble of Satya Yuga. And it will manifest itself for the next 10,000 years. So we are the pioneers of this new birth of a Satya Yuga and, and destroying this animalistic uh, civilization that we're living in at the present stage. Now, a very dear friend of mine ex told me something quite unique actually, uh, the other day. Did you know that if a devotee diligently chants their rounds every day, 16 rounds every day, that's a total of 10,091,520 holy names of Krishna per year. 10,091,520 holy names of Krishna a year, and that's only japa meditation. Now, you may chant more than 16 rounds. We have bhajan and kirtan. The holy name of Krishna throughout the world is being chanted. Can you imagine the power of that? We take it for granted. Oh, what, how can my 16 rounds every day change the world? Well, it does, it actually does. So devotees are increasing all over the world. Even in places like China, our dear friend Radha Charan and his wife, who were here, devotees here, are now making devotees all over China. China are devotees, they're a little bit undercover, but they're making incredible inroads and people are taking to Krishna consciousness so much in China. So this section of Bhagavatam uh, are the instructions of Narad Muni to Yudhisthira Maharaj with the aim of creating a perfect society with four classes of human beings, brahmachari, sannyas, vanaprastha, and grihastha. Now it's mentioned here that in three of the ashrams, there is no sexual relations in those three ashrams. But in married life, you have a license 
for sex. There's a concession there. So if one can't follow strictly in these ashrams, in particular in the Brahmacharini, Brahmachari or Brahmacharini ashram, uh, they can get married to fulfill that desire. Similarly, even if a sannyasi cannot follow his sannyas uh, tradition, he has also the opportunity to step down and take a wife. In Vanaprastha, when you get to a ripe old age of 70, 80, uh, sex is no longer an issue, <laughs> not that much anymore. The beauty about Krishna, about getting older, there's not many good things about getting older, believe me, but one of the things is your body may deteriorate and everything, but one of the things is, is that your sexual desire goes down. Now that sexual desire is in all of us and we have to control it. So this is the whole point here. So even in Vanaprastha, you have to control it. So that's, that's there. So in householder life, we understand that sexual intercourse and sexual relations is allowed, but there has to be the concession that you have to follow a, a particular principle of chanting a certain number of rounds if you want to procreate and create children for your family. So usually the standard is 64 rounds. You chant that diligently, clearly, uh, before you actually have the opportunity of creating another soul to come into this world. There was an interesting example with Bhakti and, e, Bhakti and me. We, as you know, we have two children. And um, one of the things that they suggest is, is that if a Grihastha couple want to have a child, they usually approach their spiritual master or one of the Vaishnav, um, senior Vaishnav people, someone that's your Siksha Guru, and explain to them that we would like to now start a family. And generally speaking, you know, that person who is an authority will grant you the opportunity and say, yes, that's a very good idea that you start the family. So that happened with us in the early days. We approached the temple president, who was also my Shikshu Guru, and said to him, yes, we would like to start a family. We already had one child and we'd like to start another one, have another child. And so he said, that's very good. Uh, you know, what day are you hoping? We've made all the arrangements, chanted 64 rounds. And the next day, the temple president had me engaged in so much service. It's like he'd forgotten or something. And I'm thinking, any moment now he's going to let me go. I mean, we've got to create a child. And uh, he kept on going, kept on going, and then all of a sudden I said to him, uh, excuse me, Prabhu, I chanted 64 rounds today. <gasps> oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. And then he drove me quickly home. So this is, and it's, it's, it's an open uh, thing that we actually are clear about that. So in the system we create, the system was created by God himself. It wasn't concocted by someone wanting to control someone else. Like we have many uh, uh, sects and different uh, cults that control people. But this rule of Brahmacharya, Grihastha, Sanyas and Vanaprastha was actually uh, uh, made by Krishna himself. So sometimes when we're preaching, you know, and we say, well, devotees follow the regulative principles, no meat eating, no gambling, no intoxication. And the big one is always no sex. 
and that's the stumbling block for a lot of people. You know, oh yeah, I can possibly go without my beer, I can possibly uh, not gamble, I, I won't take my tax lotto ticket, you know. Okay, you said vegetarianism. Yeah, there's so many vegan diets and everything. I can go online and become a vegetarian. And, but this last one, no sex. You mean no sex at all? I said, well, if you are a married person, there is a license for sexual activity in that. And that's the stumbling block. So usually you have it well. They turn around to you and say, no one is going to tell me that I can't have sex. Yeah, especially in today's society. It's my body and I'll do what I please. This is the usual answer that you get. But actually, you have to point out to that person, actually, do you really own this body? Did you create this body? Are you this body? So this is a fundamental preaching that we all know. So you're actually not this body. But Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 4.13, Chatu Vayam Guna Karma Vibhagashaha Tashya Kartaram Apimam Vidhi Akartam Avyayam And the translation is, according to the three modes of material nature and the work ascribed to them, the four divisions of human society were created by me. So Krishna has created them. Although I am the creator of this system, you should know that I'm yet not the doer being unchangeable. So from today's purport, Prabhupada states that actually a civilization that allows the mixing of unrestricted women is an animalistic society. So how incredibly entangling sense gratification is. It is a sex life is the most entangling. This is always a controversial topic to talk about and it always seems to come up when I'm giving class. So, <laughs> so even when we come to the interaction of the wife with the spiritual master, this was quite an interesting uh, uh, verse here where we're talking about the spiritual master. Now we know in ISKCON there are not many very, very young uh, Grihasta uh, gurus. So we think, how is that pertinent to us? But that's an initiating guru. We have many, many shiksha gurus, correct? So in the same token, just like Bhakti and I, we help with a lot of young people in their growth in spiritual life. And we, we act as a fatherly and motherly uh, parent. A lot of our friends have parents in India, but they don't have and they, they miss that connection here in Australia while they're working in Australia. So in a sense, we act as surrogate mums and dads. So we have to be very mindful that these, these principles are adhered to very strictly. So the Shastra is pointing out that, you know, even in those sort of situations, we have to be incredibly careful. No one, no one is safe from this sex desire. No one. Some say it is the most entangling thing in the material world to be wrapped up in sex desire. And one devotee actually told me one time when this was actually discussed in another class, and he put up his hand and he was a heroin addict. Some of you may have had experience in dealing with different intoxicants. And he said, actually, Bhakta, heroin is more entangling than even sex life. So that may be so, but for the majority of people, this sexual uh, 
activity is, is the most entangling. In the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and I'll just quote this, Rishabh Dev, Lord Rishabh Dev, told his sons, my dear boys, of all the living entities who have accepted material bodies in this world, one who has been awarded this human form should not work hard day and night simply for sense gratification, which is available to even the dogs and hogs that eat stool. One should engage in penance and austerity to attain the divine position of devotional service. By such activities, one heart is purified. When one attains this position, he attains eternal blissful life, which is transcendental to the material happiness and which, is, uh, which continues forever. So we know that any sort of pleasure, any sense pleasure in this material world is fleeting. It's there for a moment and then it's gone. We can only have so much of it, you know, and then it's finished. So, but even that may be the case because we're so entrenched in this material world, it's hard to disentangle oneself from this sensual desire, from sexual desire. And it leads, when we have that desire, it leads to attachment, to wife, home, children, uh, position, and this whole consciousness of I and mine. So the practice of celibacy, especially for brahmacharis and brahmacharinis, and in fact all humans, is frowned upon in today's society and is not appreciated at all. Everything in today's society is geared towards the arousal of a sexual appetite. Advertising, movies, songs, literature, social media especially. These are things that we are confronted with as devotees day in, day out. Even if, though, even if we want to avoid them, generally a brahmachari has the facility to actually be able to relieve themselves of not having to be involved in movies or songs and, and so on, which, which, is, which is great, or reading literature. But I mean, for a grihasta or a, grih, uh, or a vanaprasta, you know, we're in contact with the world, and all of us are in contact with the world. And uh, these advertisements, movies, songs, literature, and especially social media are confronting. I think we all have had that situation nowadays when you go online to look for a YouTube clip of one of our spiritual masters or something like that, or you go on Facebook to see how your friends are doing, all these incredible, filthy advertisements come up and you're confronted with it, all of us. What do you do about that? All these clips come up in YouTube. Uh, so moreover, uh, we have to be able to turn ourselves off from being attracted to that. We've got such a short span of life and when we have the opportunity to actually become Krishna conscious, we have to be on guard all the time, not to be uh, overcome by uh, lusty desires, by sexual desires. And this is so much more explicit than it ever was. I mean, Bhakti and I have been devotees for now 40 odd years or so, 45 years. It has never been so explicit as it is nowadays. When I was a young man, there was no, no thought of, I mean, if you saw something like what we see on a regular basis now on Facebook, it would, it would have been totally shocking. 
but civilization has got to such a stage where it's becoming more and more and more and more degraded. The worst swear word that we could ever say when I was a young person was bloody. If I said bloody in front of my mother, she would slap me. Don't you swear like that. What to speak of the words that are now profanities that are expletive every second. You know, you, you go to uh, online and, the, and the, the language is just horrific. So, so much has changed and it's so much more explicit. And it's all about animal instincts. It's all about catering to our base instincts. And they want to exploit and, ex and promote uh, their products. Because, you know, in advertising, there is that catchphrase, sex sells. So, you know, you may be saying, it's really interesting sometimes if you're watching an, uh, TV and there's an advertisement comes up and they're advertising some plumbing equipment, okay? How to fix your faucets or your sink or your bath tank. And they have this lady in a skimpy bikini or something or a, or a guy that's a hunk sort of guy you know, advertising this piece of plumbing uh, to encourage you to buy this product because they know that sex sells and it, it's the lowest common sort of enticements. Uh, there's also <laughs> an interesting furniture advertisement. You may have seen this. Well, they're selling a couch and every time you see the couch, you see this woman walking past. Have you ever seen that one? Any time they have a couch for sale, there is another woman or she's lounging on the... There's always this enticement. So one following devotional life has to be extremely careful in dealing with the opposite sex and not being in, in, in somehow or other caught up in this uh, sexual uh, attraction. And it means you have to perform austerity means you actually, actually have to be very strong in your Krishna consciousness. There's an example of even Srila Prabhupada. Now Prabhupada is a pure devotee, 100% came from the spiritual world. There is an incident once where Prabhupada was left alone with a woman and the devotee, his servant somehow or other left the room. And when the servant came back and the lady had left, Prabhupada was so angry. How could you leave me with a woman? He's a sannyasi. How could you leave me alone with this woman? Don't you know I could have fallen down? This is Srila Prabhupada. You know, so we have to, he sets the example, so we have to be exceptionally careful. However, when we have this understanding that we have to be very careful in our dealings with the members of the opposite sex, in the same token, we shouldn't shun any association with the opposite sex, you know. And this again happened in the early days of Krishna consciousness. You know, people were a little bit fanatic, you may say, and people would completely shun the opposite sex. Don't talk to me, you know, if it was a lady or if a, if a brahmachari came up to a brahmacharini, don't talk to me. So we have to work together harmoniously to do our service. So in all ways, a devotee has to be a lady and a gentleman. We have to be very uh, accommodating, understanding and dealing with that other person 
consciously remembering that that person is the spirit soul, Krishna resides within this person, they are uh, as Paramatma, and I have to deal with them to actually do my service. And it's not something that we have to become completely fanatic about uh, or, you know, to, to distance ourselves. We just act in a normal way. Like even Prabhupada, another example of Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada was at an airport lined up to get his ticket and his servant was behind him. And there was, it was in Italy, there was a beautiful lady, an Italian lady standing a few uh, places in front of Prabhupada. And Prabhupada turned around to his disciple, the servant, and said, isn't she beautiful? So there's nothing wrong in appreciating Krishna's beauty, even if it comes in the form of a woman or a man. But in the same token, we understand this is Krishna's body. This is, belongs to Krishna. You can appreciate it just as you can appreciate a beautiful flower, a beautiful painting, a beautiful sunset. Similarly, you can appreciate a person of the opposite sex as being beautiful. But we have to keep good check on ourselves that we keep this lusty desire uh, in check. So in our marriages also, uh, although there is no sex apart from bringing devotees into this world, there, is, there still has to be affection and love in a marriage. So again, something that happened in the early days when they heard verses like this, that a woman is like fire and the, and the man is like butter, that even in marriage, the devotees would be so removed from one another and so uh, uh, removed, well, yeah, just kept away from each other that there was disharmony within the family and there were many, many divorces, many, many difficulties. So there has to be, in a marriage, there has to be affection and love in a marriage. So a devotional marriage is not cold and heartless arrangement. It, you know, when you choose to get married, uh, that marriage is, and you have a license to have a relationship with a lady or a man, uh, it's not heartless. It's something that is, is a, a great benefit to your Krishna consciousness, actually, because your partner will become your best friend and confidant. And you travel the road together. You know, you travel the hardships of Krishna consciousness together. And then affection and love for each other has to be there for mental health of the couples. You need that stability that I can rely on my husband, I can rely on my wife, I have a friendly relationship. In fact, uh, your wife or your husband becomes your very best friend as you progress in Grihastha life. And the reason why I'm saying that is, is that because the majority of people uh, within ISKCON at the moment are Grihastha. We have the exceptional case of some wonderful brahmacharis and all powers to them. We should pray for them that they stay very fixed in their brahmacharya. Because when you see uh, the work that they're doing in book distribution and around the temple, it's always that flash of orange that really gives you that push to say, wow, these are our boys. And we should see them as our sons and, and also the brahmacharinis as our daughters, that they're fighting this battle. They are our frontline fighters against Maya. So we need that. So a devotee has to be uh, a great friend to, to their partner. 
So the next verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam, which we'll have tomorrow, so that's verse 8, 9, uh, it describes how one may be fire and the other may be butter. That verse is tomorrow. So in today's society, actually, it's not so clear-cut. Who is the fire and who is the butter? <laughs> Isn't it? We've got the LGBTQI situation happening in the world today. There's a lot of gay people. It's becoming more obviously accepted within even our society that we have people that are of a different sexual uh, orientation. However that came about, whether it's the food we ate or whatever, but it's, it's there, so we have to deal with it. So it's really a grey area actually, who is the fire and who is the butter nowadays. So one has to be completely clear that it's not only a matter of time before one gets captured by lusty desires if one is not diligently following their sadhana. So Prabhupada emphasizes time and time again that you have to rigorously follow your sadhana and never ever trust the mind. The mind is your worst enemy. You know, there's a section in uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam where Jad Bharat states that an aspiring transcendentalist is like a hunter. Mind and senses are like wild animals. So your mind and your senses are like wild animals and must be kept in captivity and never trusted. So you never trust your mind. Your mind is your greatest enemy. That's in these chapter Bhagavad Gita 6.6. For him who has conquered the mind, the mind is the best friend. But for one who has failed to do so, his mind will be his greatest enemy. So we have to deal with this. Now, I wanted to read the purport that Prabhupada has to this verse. This is in 6.6. The purpose of practicing the Eightfold Yoga is to control the mind in order to make it a friend in discharging the human mission. What's the human mission? The mission is to go back home, back to Godhead, to realize you're not this material body and go back to our, our destiny, which is with Krishna. Unless the mind is controlled, the practice of yoga for show is simply a waste of time. One who cannot control his mind lives always with the greatest enemy and thus his life and its mission are spoiled. So we have to understand this. We have a precious gift, this human form of life. We have an opportunity to actually go back home, back to Godhead in this very life, and we shouldn't waste our time. The constitutional position of a living entity is to carry out the order of the superior, so that's our spiritual masters. As long as the mind remains unconquered, an unconquered enemy, one has to serve the dictations of lust, anger, avarice, illusion, etc. So they're all concomitant with that whole lusty desire. But when the mind is conquered, one voluntarily agrees to abide by the dictations of the Personality of Godhead, who is situated within the heart of everyone as Paramatma. Real yoga practice entails meeting the Paramatma within the heart and following his dictation. For one who takes to Krishna consciousness directly, perfect surrender to the dictation of the Lord follows automatically. So this is Prabhupada's giving us the direction. We have to actually be very, very diligent in our sadhana. So there's an axiom in warfare that you never ever trust your enemy. 
even whatever the enemy may be doing, you know, like there's currently the conflict in the Ukraine and also in Gaza. And, you know, there's some sort of peace deals going on. And while we, Russia just released hundreds of uh, prisoners and the Ukraine released hundreds of prisoners. But you never, ever trust your enemy. So uh, they will exploit and destroy you if you let them. So the greatest power of your enemy is convincing that it is your friend. Remember, the mind is your enemy. It is a wild animal, if you can picture that. But your, your mind will constantly say, actually, I'm your friend. I'm here to help you. Uh, what's the harm in just having a look at this beautiful picture of the opposite sex? There's no harm in that. It's quite okay. That's Krishna. Krishna has created this. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he masculine? And the mind goes, yeah, it's actually, and it captures you. So we're all prone to that. We're all can be captivated, especially in our early Krishna consciousness. It is part of us being human. So we have to be able to control that. And if we can't control that, and we go down the rabbit hole, then what? Fall down. Fall down. So we need the mercy of the holy name of the dear devotees of the Lord to save us from our enemy that has coerced us into falling down. And this is, I hope that no one does, but it's 100% possible that all of us at one stage or another may have some difficulty. That's the honest truth. So one must, however, try to fight the battle, not on our own, but we have, to, uh, we have to seek assistance and help. If by some chance the enemy has infiltrated your consciousness and you've been um, taken over by this lusty desire, after the actual event happens, there is a, an incredible, two things can happen. Incredible guilt. Oh, I'm so fallen. My God, I, I don't know what happened. I'm so fallen, you know. And, and then you go into this malaise. And, you st and again, it's the mind. The mind will play tricks on you and say, yes, you are so fallen. See, you couldn't even follow. So why follow at all? Just go, go with your senses. You're not made for this brahmacharya. You're not made for grihastha ashram. You're not made to actually perform these activities as a devotee. Just leave and then you'll be free. So your mind is constantly playing tricks on you like this. And you feel guilty. You know, and there's so many times devotees are in this malaise. Oh, I'm so fallen. That's not the right attitude to take. Understand that Krishna will help you. Even though there has been a fall down, Krishna will help you and pick you up again. The other area is, is that sometimes we have this understanding that there may have been a fall down in Krishna consciousness within marriage or whatever, and we have the blame game. Well, if it wasn't for you and your lusty desires, I wouldn't have fallen down, right? And they start blaming the husband. You're so lusty and that's why we fell down. Or the, the, or the husband will say, you know, you provoked me and that's why we fell down. And so then there's this tension between that's also not the way to overcome our lusty desires. 
We live to fight the battle another day. Dust off, carry on, and be better the next time. It is a thing that is with all of us. Continue on with your sadhana, make a greater effort to chant better rounds, recommit to the regulative principles that you've promised in front of your spiritual master, in front of Krishna, the deity, in front of Sipi Vista, the fire, in front of the Vaishnavas, you made a vow. Now sometimes, I mean, you know, it's like, well, I wasn't completely understanding what I was doing, and the mind will come in. So, but you made a vow. And so make that uh, uh, a point that I'm following this, I have to get back on the bandwagon and be fill your life with service. Service to the Holy Name, service to the other Vaishnavas, service to your spiritual master, service to the deities. Look for service. Prabhupada said Krishna consciousness wasn't uh, a, a process where we just sit and chant all the time because it's not possible for us. We have to be active, we have to be engaged. Always find things to completely fill your day. Prabhupada said, fill your day with service to Krishna until you're so tired that at night time you just fall into bed and you just collapse and then wake up again and start again. We have to be so engaged in Krishna consciousness, always looking for service. And sometimes we have this situation where people come up to me and say, Prabhu, I want to do service, but I'm not getting the opportunity to do service. I actually say to them, that's a nonsense. You have to look for service. And there's nothing that stops you from, but, you know, I don't get an opportunity to offer something to the deities. I don't get an opportunity to make garlands. I don't get an opportunity to, to do anything here at the temple. Everybody's already doing something. Then look for something outside the temple to do service. The greatest service that you can do is book distribution. We just had a fabulous marathon. And again, all credit, all great uh, uh, kudos goes to those devotees that went out and distributed books. Just amazing. The, what Melbourne Temple, the, the best performing temple in Australia did for book distribution. Just absolutely outstanding. Fill your day with service. Go and do book distribution. Cook some prashadam and give them to your friends. Um, do something. There are so many things that you can do, but never ever say, I don't know what service to do. You can find something. And then all else fails. If all else fails, call on the Lord. When you're struggling, call on the Lord. There was a call out for help. There was one devotee that I used to, he's passed away now. Uh, he was a very dear friend of mine, but he also struggled very much with uh, lust, sexual desires. And um, sometimes we, we, I was with him for some period of time, and um, in the middle of the night, sometimes you heard, Honey, Krishna, honey, Krishna, 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 honey, honey. I thought, uh-huh, he's fighting the battle. So call out to Krishna, call out loudly, and Krishna will help you. Krishna will, if you do that, not just subtly, you know, just, oh, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, really pump it out and you win the war against Maya. There was a pastime in Lord Chaitanya's, uh, we can read it in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, where the Lord 
heard the enchanting recitation of Gita Govinda. Everybody knows the Gita Govinda? The Gita Govinda uh, is the singing of the amorous pastimes of Krishna and the gopis. So apparently in the Chaitanya Charitamrita it was so beautifully sung that Lord Chaitanya was completely encompassed, just completely lost all uh, composure. And he wanted to embrace whoever was chanting this beautiful prayer. So the Lord ran through the woods to find that person that was singing this beautiful prayer. And as he's running through the woods, his cloth got ripped and so on and so forth. But his servant Govinda ran behind him and forcibly grabbed the Lord, tackled him down, held the Lord down and said, my Lord, it is a woman that's singing. And Lord Chaitanya said, oh, Govinda, you saved my life, saved his spiritual life. Because for a sannyasi, to out of the woods, you know, this nice Mataji is chanting the Govinda prayers and all of a sudden this sannyasi just grabs him because... But, you know, the Lord, we understand that in Lord Chaitanya's preaching, the Lord didn't distinguish who could receive his mercy. But for an example, he showed us that even for a sannyasi, you have to be very, very careful, even in the pastimes, when it's in relation to the pastimes of Krishna. We have to be exceptionally careful. So the human birth is so special that we have the opportunity to go back home, back to Godhead. Whatever pleasure is here in this material world is but a fleeting, temporary uh, speck of enjoyment compared to the spiritual world. That's our home. That's our destiny, to go back to the spiritual world with Krishna and live forever with him in total bliss, total happiness, not some fleeting thing. And when Prabhupada says, go back home, back to Godhead, the word home denotes a place where the family resides, isn't it? When you say, I'm going back home, it's like, okay, you're going back home to mum and dad, right? Or, or your husband and the children or so on. So home is where the family resides and our spiritual family in the Lord is our loving father and mother, as it's stated in Bhagavad Gita 9.17. Krishna is both our father and our mother. So in Christian religion, there is also a parable about the prodigal son. Some of you that are Christians, that were Christians before you came and are still Christian. Uh, there's the story of the prodigal son, about a son who leaves his father's home to go and explore something out there in the material world. And the father uh, uh, didn't reject him, although the son has rejected the father. The father never rejected him and simply wanted the son to come home. So Krishna loves us beyond our, our, what we could possibly imagine. He loves us so much that uh, all he wants is that we come home to him you know, and be with him again. So. We have to look at that, you know, like when we were young, I, I know I had, I was upset with my mum and dad sometimes and I thought, oh, I'm going to run away from home. And, uh, but you see sometimes where a child does run away from home and the parents are fr frantic. Where is my son? Where's my daughter? I've lost my daughter, you know, she's run away. So it's very sad because all the parent wants is that their daughter, comes, daughter or son comes back to them. So this is the way the Lord is. All he wants is that he wants us to come home back to him. He wants nothing more than that. So Srila Prabhupada states, when it comes to sex enjoyment and enticement, 
we have to grit our teeth and continue with the battle against our mind and senses. There's this thing, uh, there's this pastime, I'm not sure if it's in the Bhagavatam, but Yudhisthira was asked, um, why, how, what was uh, Yudhisthira's mother's name again? Uh, Kunti, right? So Kunti was beautiful and she had the uh, uh, benediction that she was always youthful. So Yudhisthira was asked, how is it that you're not attracted to your mother? She's so beautiful. You know, she's just the most beautiful person. And Yudhisthira said, uh, I simply have to grit my teeth and bear it. So this is again that solid endeavor that one should just, and Prabhupada when he was relating that story from the Yasasan, he grit his teeth and said, you have to grit your teeth and bear it. So it's, it's a battle uh, that we have to go through. So how do we fight this battle? Well, number one, we have to associate with devotees that are like-minded, advanced devotees that we can trust, have association with those devotees that are following strictly, not devotees that are whimsical, devotees that are strict and, and still loving and friendly. And, and with that association, share your battle stories. So this is one thing that sometimes is a thing that should be more emphasized in Krishna consciousness, that we share our difficulties, um, reveal our mind to someone that you can trust, because you have to associate with advanced devotees, you have to share your battle stories, because this is a battle, this is a war between you and, the, and, uh, and Maya. So you have to seek advice, and whoever you're seeking advice from, it has to be done in confidentiality. So, my dear friend uh, Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj, when he was here, we had long conversations about just this point, about sexual fall down, and confidentiality, because it's a thing in ISKCON. And Prabhupada was, uh, Bhakti Tirtha uh, Maharaj was saying, it's a problem within ISKCON that there is sometimes no confidentiality. We feel uncomfortable explaining to someone else that we've had a difficulty. And uh, it's like, oh, well, I'll just keep it to myself. I don't want people to know that I've had a difficulty. But 10%, most of us, have had some difficulty at some time in our devotional career. And we have to be able to relate that to someone that we can trust. Now, in the Christian tradition, you have the area of confession. Everybody heard that? In the Catholic tradition, you go to a priest and in this little box, you sit there, uh, uh, what, what was it that we used to say? Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been so long since my last confession, and these are my sins. So you then relate your sins. You unload your lot to the priest. And the priest will say, that's very good, my son. Thank you very much for, for confessing your sins. Say three Hail Marys and then Our Father, and you're out. The point of it is that he is bound by the vow of confidentiality he cannot say this to anyone, what you have confessed to him. So even if you came to the confessional and said, Father, I've committed a murder, he can't go to the police and say, I've committed this murder. People want to 
get things off their chest. They want to relieve themselves of the difficulties. Hare Krishna, welcome. You can sit anywhere you like, Prabhu. Welcome. So um, you need that to find someone within Krishna consciousness that you can share your difficulties with, that will help you through those difficulties and will deal with you in a confidential way. We've had, and you know, it's happened in, in, in our Krishna consciousness also over the years that, you know, someone has come up to me and said, Bhakta Prabhu, this is the problem. And we sat together and we discussed it. And uh, I said, how, how difficult is the problem that you have? And he said, he said, it was a he. And he said, and this was just one occasion. And he said, well, you know, it happens on a regular basis once a month. I said, oh, really? Okay. Well, first off, don't be too upset, because in the scheme of things, it's good that you're Krishna conscious. In the scheme of things, Krishna sees it as just a little blip on the radar. The Lord of the universe sees this person having a little difficulty. It's not a big deal. But it is if you want to go back home, back to Godhead. So instead of falling to this desire on a monthly basis let's see how we go over three months can you do that and again in confidentiality we 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 talked it out and the devotee said i think i can do that and so then we kept in touch and after three months he came to see me again i said so prabhu how's it going and he said i'm good and no fall down no fall down so do you think you can go another three months? And he said, I think I can. So with the help of someone else, we can actually make advancement. So it is difficult by ourselves. So this point of confidentiality, Bhakti Tiyadamara said, it is a problem and we have to deal with it, but we have to be honest about it. We have to be honest by ourselves as well, honest with ourselves. So we can seek help and talk about our battles. Um, but most of all, it is vitally important that we chant good, attentive rounds every day, which will keep the wild mind in check. The rounds, and Prabhupada said, everything is in the bead bag. All your problems, all your difficulties are in the bead bag. How are you chanting Hare Krishna? With full attention. If you chant with full attention, 16 rounds, not while you're driving, not while you're watching your iPhone, not while you're watching a YouTube clip. And I'm guilty of it, just as much as everybody. But really attentive rounds, Maya can't perpetrate, Maya can't penetrate, sorry. And you start winning the war. If you see your life as a battle, and you see your mind as a wild en enemy, you, you will make progress. But chanting your rounds is the most important thing. And as I started off with saying, 10 million names of God, over 10 million names of God in a year. Can you imagine if they were all really powerfully chanted, each one of us? How many devotees are here in Melbourne? 16,000, I think, or something, right? If we all chanted, that changes the world. That changes the world. These negative things that are going on in the world are only temporary. We will... We are the pioneers. We are the, the, uh, the, the people that are going into the wilderness to establish new ground. 
a new ground of, of spirituality. So when we chant our hours diligently every day and we really make a conscious effort, Maya won't touch you. She won't win. You'll win. And even if she does come in and she'll sneak in, call out loudly to Krishna just like my friend did. Call out loudly and Krishna will protect you. So I'll stop here. Uh, if anybody has any comments or questions. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Yes, Baruj. Hare Krishna, welcome. It's a bit of a controversial topic, and it's, but it's something that's in our life, and we have to deal with it and be open with it. Not that we hide it in a closet and say, oh, I'm a pure devotee, nothing ever happens to me. I'm sorry, but that's not the case. Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Thank you for this class. Honestly, it's so raw and real, and it's really impactful. Thank you. I um, just wanted to ask because I know that when it comes to finding someone who you can really confide in yeah. sometimes it can be a little bit difficult like for example I have a very different background to most of my brothers in Krishna consciousness um, as a westerner as well and definitely more of an extreme westerner if you, if you could say you know so um, finding someone who I think one will be able to relate can be difficult yeah. and also finding someone who will not judge because that's the, the, the it's not if someone you kind of I kind of feel like I'd be burdening somebody if I told them because they have their own judgments and they might not be all full in their own mind as well and then every time they that, that judgment is there in the back of the mind you know so how can we find a person who can relate but also who you know won't judge either. Me personally, I feel like I'm, I, judgment is not a massive thing I struggle with. I don't really judge people that much because of what I've done in my past. Yeah. I cannot judge anybody. But I know that others do struggle with this, so how can you? Yeah, it's not easy. And that's why Bhakti Maharaj says we have to address this issue. And uh, you have many spiritual teachers. I mean, the best person to go to is your spiritual master or who you see as your initiating spiritual master if they have the time for you see they have many many people that are but then in the, in the same token uh, whether they are western bodied or indian bodied there may be some people that you feel you have a connection with a friendship with that is senior to you and that is perceivably krishna conscious and then you simply approach them and say, Prabhu, can I speak in confidential matters with you? This is serious. Mm. And, uh, and you, I mean, that means opening yourself up. Uh, you know, it's difficult. Sometimes you've given something in confidence to, to someone and all of a sudden it's around the temple. Because, I mean, there is that saying, um, you, if you want a message to spread, just tell a devotee, you know. <laughs> if, if there's something, you know, amiss or awry somewhere, you know, that you found out about, or he's, he's t taking some money from the temple or something, within, within very short time, everybody knows, oh, Bhakta has taken some money from there, <laughs> or Bhakta has done this and that, or, you know. 
So, and, but you, it, it is a thing. But anyone that is a senior Vaishnava, because we not only have our, our Diksha Guru, we have Shiksha Gurus. You should clearly look for people that can act as your Shiksha Guru. And if it means finding out, you can also go online, you know, search out people that, if, you, if there's no one in your immediate vicinity that you can trust, then you seek out someone online. And there are many, many great devotees online that you can, you know, even through Karuna Care, you know, that Rambaru Mataji is organizing, there are people there that can help you. But it would be best to sit with someone face to face and discuss it. And the person that you're discussing it with should have the integrity not to reveal that to anyone and help you to the best of their ability. Mm. It's not easy. And it's not easy to open up to someone, especially in Krishna consciousness. But you have to be you have to understand that you are not an island. You are not alone. As I said, everyone is attacked by Maya. We're here in this material world. We wouldn't be here if we're sent percent perfect. We'd be with Krishna. But we came here to enjoy for ourselves. And in the greatest enjoyment is sex life. So whether it was in previous lives or in this life, we've all fallen down. And don't be so proud that you haven't. Mm. Because if you're proud, you're, the next step may be a fall down. Mm. We've seen it in great people. You know, uh, we've been around for 45 years and we've seen very, very advanced devotees fall down. Gurus fall down. But some have had the, uh, the uh, ability to dust off and continue on in their Krishna consciousness and all credit to them, mm. all power to them. Uh, but find someone that you feel confident with, that they will maintain your, your confidentiality. But you need to, you have to. Don't hold it within yourself, either male or female. Don't hold it within yourself, because Maya will play that trick. As soon as you let it out, that somebody else knows, you're winning the battle. There's an interesting thing in chaplaincy, I've told this once before, in spiritual care that I do in hospitals. Uh, I've, I've said this many times, but it had such an impact on my life that um, I was, you know, servicing the Vedic personalities, Hindus, in hospitals and caring for them, giving spiritual care to them. And I would preach to them, I would encourage them and so on and so forth. And somehow or other, Western person in the other bed sort of heard me preaching. Really gross Aussie. And he turned around to me and he said, hey mate. I said, yeah, would you come and talk to me? <laughs> and I said, sure, I'm more than happy to. And I started to talk to him, explaining about this body, and he said, I want to tell you something. I, this was in palliative care. He said, I have not told this to anybody before but I have to get it off my chest and I feel that you're the person that I can talk to he said I'm a, I was a soldier in the Vietnam War and I killed people that shouldn't have been killed he killed innocent citizens just for the hell of killing he was never ever convicted of it he was never he said but I can't even say this to my wife or my children because they have such an opinion of me but that's what I did he was like a war hero you know this is what I did. 
and I have to get it off my chest because I can't bear to live with it and I've told you. Another one was uh, somebody that had for a long time never told their wife that they had an affair and he told me it's just to get it off his chest. So we have to be able to that's why the Christians set up this whole thing of a confession. That there has to be a system whereby we can relieve ourselves of our losses in the battle against Maya in our mind. We have to have that. So reveal your mind. It's part of the whole process of Krishna consciousness to reveal and uh, your mind to someone that is. So find someone. Find someone. We are not an island. We all have problems. We will all be able to help each other. Is that okay, Prabhu? Absolutely, I think it's so important. Thank you. Try yeah, Prabhu. Mahatma Prabhu. It's a it's a topic that needs to be discussed. Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna Bhaktas Prabhu. What a wonderful class and charismatic personality you can go through. And so I want to know from you what was your answer to this Vietnam fellow? who said he has killed no so answer. many innocent people. No answer whatsoever. I just listened. Right. The job of a, of a chaplain or a spiritual care provider is 100% listening. You listen and just say, it's okay. You're fine. Uh, I, next never tried to, I never tried to convince him of anything. I never tried to tell him you should, you know, relate this to someone. That was not my job. My job was simply to be the instrument of letting him talk and letting him purge himself. Alright. So, why so much importance is given to the lotus feet of Krishna? So what, why we have to uh, always emphasize lotus feet of Krishna? We have to concentrate on the lotus feet of Krishna all the time. Well, that's, that's what Prabhupada tells us. We, we're the humblest, you know. So there must be reason, reason why, 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 why so much importance is given. Lowest part of Krishna's body and we're, we're very low. <laughs> we have to grovel down to the ground. Although it's very difficult for me to get down the ground nowadays, but we have to get as low as possible to the, to, to the Supreme Lord. And so his lotus feet are what we seek. It's just humble. It's humility. Thank you very much. Thank you, Prabhu. She's first Prabhu and then, is that okay? Hi Krishna Prabhu, thank you for the wonderful class. You. Prabhu, you mentioned our society is degrading nowadays by the words they use, um, the swear words they use, and they use it as if it is a normal word. And we also see in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Lord Chaitanya says, that his name will be spread in every town and village. So how can his name be spread in every town and village when society is degrading very low nowadays? Because of what? Because of the society which is like so low nowadays. When a person gets an opportunity to, well, why are you here in Krishna consciousness? Why are we listening to Lord Chaitanya? Because you, you are advancing and you have a higher taste. You know, you're getting a higher taste. You know, I wasn't satisfied with my material life. I just wasn't. It was just boring. It was just, I needed, I needed answers. Anyone with an ounce of intelligence will seek to find out why am I here? What is the purpose of life? You know, and when you actually get the answer, I mean, I look for the answer everywhere. Believe me, I looked everywhere. All the different gurus, all the different things, everything. 
spent lots of money on different gurus and retreats and everything. And it was only till I came across Srila Prabhupada that the, the penny, as they say, the penny dropped. And I thought, right, that's my purpose in life. This is who I am. I'm not this material body, I'm a spirit soul. And so by taking up the mission of Krishna consciousness and, and chanting, then I started to learn about Lord Chaitanya. So it's a slow progressive challenge. Like these thousands and thousands of people in China that are becoming devotees, they are completely blown out by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So it's a, it's a process, it's a slow process. The name comes first and then the pastimes follow. You know? So it will happen in due course of time. Bhakti, there's a gentleman here for Yeah, yeah, sure, by all means. So as I understand it, your question was how can we spread this movement when the society is so low, right? So it's not our position to judge what society is or what people are. Our, our position should be just to spread, right? So it's, it's our duty to just give, just like we're blanketing the whole world with a, with a blanket of the holy name. So it's not our, um, how do I say, it's not our uh, position, I can't think of another word at the moment, to judge what people do with that. You understand? And every soul has free will. So whether they take it up or not is not your position to worry about. You understand? It's just your position to give, give, give. And the thing is, like Prabhu was saying earlier in class, that the more we chant the holy name and the more we chant the holy name sincerely, that willing or not, these individuals all over the world will be affected by, by our lifting the whole world vibrationally by adding the vibration of the holy name to whatever else is already out there because there's a lot of vibrations going on like you said swear words yeah so by more and more and more devotees chanting that's counteracting that vibration so the positive vibration will um, counteract the negative vibration it will lift it anyway whether they're aware of it or not that makes sense? Yeah. If I can add to that, it's really interesting when you're working within interfaith how different faith traditions are even changing. Once they had this concept that my faith is the only faith and now they're far more ecumenical, far more interfaith, far more relating to one another. An interesting thing today to just show you the potency of the holy name of the Lord that even fundamental teachings of other religions are changing even fundamental teachings in the Christian faith, in the Catholic faith in particular, they have always had the principle of hell, eternal damnation, hell. The Pope just decreed this week there is no eternal hell because God is a loving God who doesn't want to see people suffering forever. I thought, wow, straight out of Bhagavatam. This is the Pope, the leader of the Catholic Church. Does anybody read that this week? Do you know the profoundness of that? 
This is a, a, a scriptural thing that they have held for 2,000 years when they constructed this religion. You know, that here was the Pope saying, actually, there isn't a hell like we have been saying. It's actually, yes, you may have punishment, but it's not eternal because God is an all-loving God. The next stage that he'll say is, you shouldn't eat meat. <laughs> I'm hoping that that comes up, but that will come. This was just, for me, this was just such a profound thing. That, that, and, and it's all of us chanting our 10 million rounds a year, thousands and thousands of devotees bringing out the holy name of the Lord constantly throughout the world. It's, it's a vibration, Prabhu. It is not stuck in this room. It goes out. Every time you chant the holy name, it's not confined to you or to the room or whatever. It goes out to the universe and around the earth. That holy name, that vibration is changing the world. You personally are chanting 10 million names of God every, every year. Has a profound effect. So, okay? Thank Thanks, you. Bhakti. Jai. Prabhu, you had a question? Huh? Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, you said like uh, no one in this world is uh, definitely have to deal with this problem. Can, is it, and everyone want to talk about it. Is it possible like onto the like temple level we found like a committee, co committee or group of people where people can go and talk about this and they have confidence if I talk to this person uh, this information won't go out. Like if yeah. I like rather than I seek someone, oh, he's my Siksha Guru, he's a good friend, he's a senior devotee, but I feel that should I trust him or should I not trust yeah. him? Uh, is he, I should go and talk to him or her? Rather than temple has a group of people which is very senior devotee, temple has trust in them, and I straight away go to that, look, Prabhuji, I have a problem, can I talk to you about it? And I have a confidence, my information which I talk to him won't go out. And they don't just give us any suggestion, but I can unload my like feeling to him. I can express my feeling to him, like, and I have very confidence. I, the senior devotee, I'm in a good hand. Like, yeah, I, I understand, but you know, sometimes even if you set up a committee or something like that of devotees that are like counselors and stuff, and that's what you know, Rambaru Mataji does with Karuna Care. Sometimes devotees don't feel confident in the particular people that are on this committee. So it's a very personal thing, you know. You have to find that person that you can relate to. And so maybe some people in that council, I just don't click with them, you know. It's an authority, it's again within the whole structure of ISKCON or whatever. So it's better that you seek out somebody that you personally feel close to. And you test the water. You may not reveal everything straight away and see how you go. But you have to have that opportunity to actually get it, purge yourself of those different difficulties that you have. Yep, you have to. So find someone. This is the role of a Sikshu Guru. We're all gurus. Prabhupada said, you know, that all of us are spiritual, have to become spiritual teachers. And part of the whole process of being a spiritual teacher is you have to uh, have that confidentiality with people that come to you. It is not that you can, you know, gossip. Yeah. Yes, Prabhu. 
I was thinking that, <coughs> sorry about my sore throat. I was thinking as a last resort, if one can't find anyone, mm. maybe one could go in front of the deity yeah. and yeah. just talk. Absolutely, that, that is another way of doing it, absolutely. But you have to be uh, quite advanced to do that as well. Because in that sort of a purging, it's okay to just say, Krishna, I've fallen down. We've all done that. We've all done that. Offer our obeisances and everything. But it's that personal assistance that you get from someone that you've confided with. You know? That your secret is out. You've got, it, you've got rid of it from your heart. Your secret is out. I've relieved myself from it. You know? All of us like to think ourselves as pure devotees. Oh Prabhu, I'm a pure devotee. But in actual fact, we all have our anartas, we all have our baggage. And when we're able to actually purge ourselves of some of that, it makes us more human and it makes us more pure. Peter, have you got a question? Thank you. Yeah, Prabhu. Thank you. Does that make sense, Prabhu? So it's better that you actually find someone. And like that devotee that came to me. I just meant as a last resort, if one is totally yeah, stressed yeah, yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what will happen? If you go to Krishna and say, Krishna, these are the things. He'll make arrangements for you to find someone. Thank you. Krishna is a loving father. He doesn't want to see you suffering. He'll do anything. You, if, are you a father? Okay, you'll do anything for your children, right? If your children has a problem. If your children has committed a crime, you'll still be there for them, correct? Krishna is our father, our eternal father. You want nothing better than to help you. Nothing. He, you know, so call out his name and he'll make arrangements for you to meet someone that you can reveal yourself to. Yes, Pete? Good to see you, Prabhu. Uh, very nice class, Prabhu. I just had this uh, realisation the other day. I was falling asleep on the bus. And uh, these two uh, young couple came and sat in front of me and I was quite falling asleep but I could hear their speech and they sounded like bumblebees humming. <laughs> so you can see in the scriptures that um, in the spiritual world we see this as, as the perverted reflection that we think that we're Radha and we think that we're Krishna. So uh, that was just a realisation that I felt that was important because we think that we're Radha and Krishna and we're not, we're just the servants of the, of the Lord. So, yeah, that, yeah, and sometimes you can get a glimpse of things like that. Like, I remember, uh, not that that's anything, you know, when I was very young, uh, we travelled around New Zealand, and at one stage we were in this park, and the park was so beautiful, and there were all young boys and girls playing, and it stuck with me for so long, right? And then when I came to Krishna consciousness, I could sort of relate that event to what it would be like eventually to go to Krishna in that beautiful surrounding, you know. So, so the, the spiritual world is here as well. Yeah. And so you can see the perverted reflection in yeah. the, and that that's that without Prabhupada's mercy, there's no way I would have been able to see that. Right. Like, exactly so right. That's it's the by the mercy of, of the spiritual master. You, you're absolutely correct. I, I never ever delve into those kinds of scriptures, but I kind of looked a little bit into the intimate pastimes, but I keep that away. Um, also another thing that I'd like to stress is um, if you always talk to Krishna um, even a, a picture of Krishna you can reveal your mind to him and he'll always give you the answers you need 
Absolutely. Always. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. All right, Prabhus. Uh, thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Gyantaraj, Gyantaraj. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Okay. We'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that's up to him. 
Thanks, Baruch. Adi Bobra. 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 Adi Jai Radha Vallabh, Jai Gaurana Vallabh, 